Welcome back to another episode of My BS, that's my best self. It's about getting through your bullshit to become your best self. Today we have our guest, Tyson Chartier. He is a perfect example of becoming your best self. CBD, ever heard of it? I'm sure you have by now. PrimaryJane.com My favorite CBD product from PrimaryJane.com right now is the Lunar Gummies. The Lunar Gummies are the ultimate nighttime full-spectrum CBD experience. Primary Jane's gummies are enhanced with CBN, chamomile, and melatonin for the most restful night's sleep. Primary Jane's gummies are healthy and vegan-friendly. So use offer code MYBS15 to save $15 on your next purchase. That's MYBS15. PrimaryJane.com all right episode 18 <laughs> only 18 we've been doing this for over a year it's tyson chartier he's the coach of calvin cater rob font new england cartel in the house he's got a few other fighters i mean we don't i don't follow it so closely i know you have a lot of fighters you work with how many how many is it I managed about 30 fighters, but really Rob and Calvin are the only two I coach, though. So uh, that's where the new cartel comes in with the coaching side of it, and then top game management on the management side of it. And then, yeah, we try to keep it pretty small, pretty lean, pretty agile, so we can uh, really tailor our uh, training schedule to Rob and Calvin and give them the uh, level of service that they uh, deserve. Now, for somebody who might be sort of new to the sport, what would you say is the main distinction between coach and manager? So coach is like you're on the mat, you're teaching them technique, you're going over like game plans, you're talking about different things you want to do in the fight, you're coaching them during their sparring, you're, you know, you're cornering during the fight where you're yelling advice and making adjustments, making calls and stuff like that. Whereas a manager, you're doing all the business side of it. You're setting up the fights, you're negotiating contracts, you're uh, working on sponsors, you're, you know, your career guidance, like you're trying to figure out, you know, timelines on fighting, the best options, the fastest routes to the title, stuff like that. Cool. How did you get into it? How did you get into I, ma- managing? Uh, it was just by accident. So I, you know, started training after grad school. I played the cross in college and then I had wrestled in high school. Okay. And after college, I was so bored. I was playing pickup basketball. I was living down in uh, in Beverly, Mass. And uh, I was going to like a Beverly Athletic Club, I think, just playing pickup basketball a few days a week. And um, I saw, saw like a UFC fight on TV. And then I saw there was a local uh, jiu-jitsu gym. So I went and I got into just training. And then um, that's how I got into it. And then eventually took one fight. And then, you know, eventually ended up having 15 fights. But when I was at the gym, I was getting my own fights. And then guys like Rob Font were there just kind of like watching. And eventually they tried to, you know, train as a team. And then I started getting my friends fights, guys like Rob. I was like, oh, I'll get you a fight. And I'll get, you know, just kept getting more fights. The next thing you know, people were calling me their manager. And that's kind of how it happened. Like I never got into this to try to make it a business or make it my career or make money or anything like that. Um, it just, you know, we just kind of did the right things, you know, stayed true to, uh, you know, shoot our beliefs and, you know, try to operate under integrity at all times. And just one decision at a time, like what's best for this guy, then what's the next best decision for that guy. And next thing you know, we have a whole 
management company. We got guys in the UFC. We got guys headlining cards. We've been all around the world. Like it's uh, kind of surreal when you stop and smell the roses of like everything that we're doing when none of this is like something that we tried to do. Well, go ahead. Uh, what, what you're doing is like, in in my opinion, I've always been really like fascinated with fighting and in that warrior spirit and mentality. You know, I always wanted to be a fighter. You know, I think a lot of kids do. And what you guys are doing is just like the dream. Like you guys are literally living the dream. And I think that that's always the best person for the job. What you just said is when you just kind of did it by accident, you just like a bunch of group of guys got together and you just were focused on doing the right thing and getting the guys the best, you know, fights they could. And you just fell into it. You know, it wasn't like a money thing. And I think that's why it's so naturally, you know, successful because you, you didn't do it for money. Right. So that that's like, well, it's always interesting to, to hear a story like yours, where, like you said, you were just passionate about the sport. You know, you started learning kind of the business side, setting up your own fights and then other people saw you doing that and, and they sought you out. It wasn't like you said, Hey, I'm going to start this company. You know, let me help you find a fight. People were like, Hey, you know, how'd you do that? Okay, let me show you. And then all of a sudden, hey, why don't you just manage me? And I think when something happens organically that way, it just, there's a better connection. You know, it's like you're really out for your fighters and not just out for a paycheck, which is pretty cool. When did you get into yeah, jujitsu? Uh, 2006. So a year, I graduated undergrad in 03, graduated my MBA in 05, and then, like I said, played pickup basketball, did my first desk job for like a year. And then I got into jujitsu like in 2006. And um, yeah, I just took my first fight in 2008, turned pro in 2010, and then had my last last fight in 2012. It was a very short career. But I was already like 32 at that point. And, um, but that whole time I was starting to just help my friends get fights. And, you know, I made a smooth transition into, uh, you know, the business side of it. And then the coaching it was a weird thing because I wear two hats. It's like the cartel hat and the top game hat, you know? And the, I was doing both simultaneously, but the whole time I was like building top game management, I was also cornering all these guys. I was coaching them during their fights. I was running their camps. I was helping with the weight cuts. I was already their coach, but no one called me their coach because it wasn't my gym. And I was just the guy that was there helping with whatever needs help. And, um, you know, it wasn't until like three and a half years ago when, you know, Rob decided to make a move and he's like, Hey, listen, I think we could, you know, what do you think about being my head coach and we'll go do our own thing? And, you know, I thought about it. We had a lot of discussions. I had to really do a lot of, a lot of thinking and, you know, trying to, cause it's easy to say that, you know, in, internally they think you could be a good head coach, but then when you get the opportunity, I didn't take it lightly. Cause I'm like, all right, can I really bring these guys to the top? Like, I think I can, but now it's like I'm in a position where I get to prove it. I don't want to mess up their career. I don't have an ego. It's not about me getting the credit or anything like that. So does this give Rob the best chance to chase the UFC belt? You know, and I had some talks with my wife and um, I felt like it was the, it was the move, you know, I, I didn't think there was anybody out there that was going to try to take care of him the way that I want to take care of him. And that would put the level of detail and, um, you know, that he deserves for his career. You know, we've been together since his day one. And um, so I didn't take it lightly and, and we did it. And then, 
you know, we kind of said, Hey, this is what we're doing. And then actually, you know, Calvin's like, I want to come with you guys. And, and then he's on board and, you know, and then, and then from there, it's been a really conscious effort and continual effort to not make the same poor decisions. That was a lot of other coaches downfalls or team downfalls, which is you start to get a little success. People hear your name on TV. You know, I just, you get these awards that like, Ultimately, they're cool because your friends and your family can talk about it. My kids can say, my daddy's coach of the year and stuff like that. You know, maybe you can charge a little bit more for a seven-hour type thing. But um, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, I'm not I'm not here for awards. I'm here to win belts, you know? So, like, those things are cool. But you start to get that recognition. And with that comes, like, people raising their hands. You know, people sliding into the DM saying, hey, I want to come train with you guys. Or, hey, will you coach me? And and, and I made a, a promise to Rob and Calvin when we left is, like, I think we can do this different. And I think, you know, it's going to take this approach. And the approach was like, I'm going to coach you too. And I'm going to build a team around you guys. And I'm going to have individual camps for Rob and Calvin. I'm not, it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all. I think there's a different way you can train these MMA fighters that doesn't involve having to move to Vegas or Florida or Albuquerque or anything like that and be in this mega camp. I really think we're taking, you know, kind of the old boxing model where we're going to throw some mats down in a, in a, uh, a cabin in the woods, you know, and then just, bring the coaches in and a couple of training partners and really build like a solid camp that like, you know, when we're going into that fight, you're going to be a hundred percent prepared. And there's nothing else that other guys are going to throw at us that we haven't already worked on. And, you know, fortunately, you know, it's worked, you know, since we've left and, you know, Calvin's headlined three cards. He's ranked number six. Rob's about to headline his first card. He's on a three fight win streak. And you know, ranked number three in the world about to fight at former champion Cody Garbrandt in a main event fight. So, um, that's you know, huge. I always say that yeah. those, those two guys, those two guys make me look good, right? <laughs> but, uh, I think it's, it all comes back to synergy. You know, this model wouldn't work for everybody. It wouldn't work if I had the wrong athletes or if they had the wrong coach. I think with me, Rob, and Calvin, it really is two plus two equals five. Yeah, and, I, thought, I, and I, I really believe that. I thought it was really interesting. You know, I never really thought of coach like the way through a coach or through a manager but i saw something or heard something when you guys were the last fight it was um the last fight was calvin right in um was it in abu dhabi yeah, yeah. and i heard something that you kept him on boston time is that true like you you were like uh you didn't change your clocks you didn't wake up in abu dhabi time you kept boston time is that right? Yeah, so we let yeah, so we let the fight there's a lot of theories on how it should go and well, I you know, I think can't that, do different things. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a great decision despite the outcome, but you know, continue, you know, what led you yeah, to so make that. The first time we went out to Abu Dhabi, I, you know, the UFC is not the best at updating the website or giving us any sort of information on what's really happening. We're going to Abu Dhabi and sometimes when you fight international, but it's like they're on USA TV time. So if you're fighting, you know, at, you know, let's say 5 p.m. here, it could be 6 a.m. there. So now you're fighting at 6 in the morning. So then you got to try to find out, all right, what time are we fighting locally? So now we can, once we get there, we have to build our sleep schedule around that, you know? And you're either going to fight at the end of your day or you're going to fight at the beginning of your day, depending on your sleep schedule. We have to figure that out. And then uh, when we went to Abu Dhabi the first time, we realized we were going to fight. It was a main event, but we were going to fight around 7.30 in the morning. So, wow. which was, I think, 10 o'clock here or 10.30 here, something like that. I think yeah. it's an eight-hour difference. It's so confusing. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what we did is we, 
we train twice a week. Like you have the world clock and then you have local time, right? So on the world clock, we knew we were going to be fighting like at 7.30 Eastern Abu Dhabi time or 10.30 p.m. here. So two nights a week, we trained on the, like the same time of the day on the world clock that we'd be fighting, which was 10.30 p.m. Uh, while we're home. So we trained, we sparred once then, and then we had another drilling session then. But locally, we know that we're going to be fighting at 7.30 in the morning, which, you know, we then you have to back into, okay, how are we going to do this? Are we going to stay up super late and go to bed at 9 a.m. every day and try to be vampires, you know? Um, or are we going to get up super early and then make fighting, you know, we're kind of fighting early morning. So what we did is I looked at it, I talked to some specialists, and then uh, I took my proposal to the UFC and I said, here's what we're thinking. And then they were like, well, shit, we didn't think of that. I thought, yeah, that's a great idea. And then they ended up sending an email out to all the fighters with recommended sleep schedules and all that stuff, even down to like when the fighter should sleep on the plane to help oh. get him, you know, ready. Cause you're there about a week before the fight. So I said, I think, you know, we're not fighting till 730. We're going to get up every day at 3 a.m. And we'll eat breakfast, do our thing. And we're going to train every day at 730 in the morning. So yeah. for asking the first couple of days, the first couple of days, that's hard. You're tired, but you have to resist napping. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're getting up at three o'clock every day. You're training at seven, then you're you're tired early, so you end up going to bed at like you know around seven o'clock. So you're getting that eight hours. And um, Calvin was really disciplined, and he he stuck to it. And you know, we have success with it, and we kind of use that same model going back in. But with our training, so that was on the on the fight week. But then in the training camp, we wanted to train on the world clock time, so we were kind of like ready to fight at that time. But then also, we knew we were going to kind of be fighting in the morning, so we had a couple of sessions that were hard in the morning a few hours after we woke up so it was like simulating going really hard in the morning but then we we're also doing the world clock time and all that stuff so i thought we kind of had all our bases covered and um you know it didn't work out in the max fight but you know when you're fighting the arguably the best featherweight that's ever walked planet earth on the night that he decides to perform the yeah. best he's ever performed like there's not a lot of shame <laughs> in that you know no of course not of course not i mean max was just on you know and you know I'm sure you guys are looking at things for to how to how to you know overcome that in the future. I'm sure you're already looking at all that, and it, we look forward to seeing Calvin's return for sure. You know, definitely, we love seeing the cartel and another team to root for here in Boston. So it's always appreciated to see tough Boston guys fight out there. It's great, you know. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's cool representing the representing the area. You know, we for a long time, you know, really the reason that top game kind of happened was because I was noticing the Northeast was, you know, we were just chewing each other up locally and never making it to the national stage. And I'm like, I'm going to these other gyms. Like I was going out to Vegas to train. I was going to, you know, all these different places training with UFC fighters and they came to us. I'm like, these guys are, there's nothing special about these guys. You know, they get up in the morning, they put their pants on just like we do. Like they're not any better than us. They're just getting opportunities and they're succeeding in the UFC. But then you look at some of these guys' records and they weren't doing, taking the fights that we were taking locally and, you know, chewing each other up and spin each other out. And so I finally, I started saying, listen, like if we have a guy like Rob, he doesn't need to fight a guy like Calvin locally. Right. You know, you guys should be teaming up and cross training. But it was like all these local gyms had these egos about my guy's better than your guy and we're the number one guy in the region. And I'm like, I do not care about local rankings. Like we are just using the local scene to get to the national stage. And, yeah. you know, the USC is, you know, New England is vastly underrepresented on the national level. And then, you know, so think back seven, eight years ago when I was putting this plan into place and then now look at the landscape for doing the MMA on the national stage and it's much, much different. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was there, no one, none of these big agencies were coming in recruiting guys in the Northeast because we were a joke. 
fast as they thought. But then I, you know, we start to get guys up and we start to come out. And uh, now all of a sudden, you know, if we get a young prospect in the Northeast, they've probably already talked to a bunch of the big agencies. They're, they're sliding into their DMs. And is that annoying? Of course it is because now you have competition. But it's flattering because that means that, like, okay, we, we've made everybody take notice. And then, exactly. you know, sometimes when I'm on these on these fight weeks, the coaches come up and they're like, damn, man, anytime we fight a guy from New England, we know we're in for a, a tough fight, even if we win. So I think we've changed the the interpretation or the, I guess, how people uh, view the Northeast. And uh, it's pretty validating or it's, like, you know, flattering at the same time to, yeah. to see that, you, you know, know. I noticed I'm not taking the, full credit, but right, no, but bit. it's you guys did a huge part. The whole team did, you know. So we gotta ask, what is the story behind the cartel? Where yeah. did that Where did that name sort of derive from? So we were in um, after Calvin knocked out Ricardo Lamas. Um, him and Rob went out. You know, Rob had a lot of Calvin had a lot big a lot of family in town. I believe Rob's girl was there too. And once the fight happens, like, I go into, like, crash mode. Because it's like, I get emotionally invested in these fights. I'm I'm ready. You know, and then I'm, like, the team dad. So, like, in the morning, I get to get everybody up at 4 a.m. to get back to the airport. And so I go back to where I go to bed. And um, I usually don't go to any after parties. I'm not going to bars after. I'm not trying to hang out at the hotel lobby. Like, at that point, I'm punching the time clock and I'm going to bed. You know, like, I, I my work is done. Fight weeks are stressful. I need to get some rest because, the next day, all that's waiting for me is an early flight and then a wife at home that says, it's your turn with the kids. So, um, you know, I try to get some sleep in if I can. So they went out. They did the thing. They had some deep dish pizza. You know, they visited some family, all that stuff. And then I think later that night or early the next morning, they were just, like, sitting around. And um, Rob was listening to, like, a Rick Ross song. And he kept saying something, like, about the Carroll City Cartel or, or something like that. And Rob's like, that's what we are. We're the New England cartel. I, I, I called that, it. I, call, I knew Rob said yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, and then they're like, well, that's Tyson. And then um, a couple of days later, we were at Strength and Edition because Rob had a fight in a few weeks. I'm like, what do you think about the New England cartel? I was like, hey, man, I, I do not care. You know, <laughs> we can call ourselves whatever we want as long as we're winning. And I was like, but it has a cool ring to it. And then uh, so we kind of just started saying that. And then a few weeks later, Rob fought, was supposed to fight John Lineker at UFC Greenville. I believe it was June 22nd of 19. And um, the fight ended up getting scratched the day away in. So Rob and Calvin and me sat in the front row during the fight. And the, But then the camera comes over, and of course, they don't care about the clicks. They just went right on Rob and Calvin, and they, like, you know, showed their names. Like, you know, Rob Fonts was to fight tonight, him and Calvin in the house. And then Anik was like, or maybe it was um, Brett and Fitzgerald. He's like, New England cartel in the house. And that's kind of where it was, like, first when people were like, oh, the New England cartel. And then we started getting like a lot of people hashtagging it and, and stuff awesome. like that. And it was a good buzz around it. But yeah, it was, it was all Rob. <laughs> nice, nice. Did, didn't you guys go on Food Truck Diaries or something? Was it? Yep. And he was, what, what was he calling it? What was Brendan Schaub calling it? He was like, Oh, he called it the New England Mafia or something. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's <laughs> switching like, it up. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if he's just trolling. Us I off. think so. I think so. You know, I, I got that. Because I talked to, because I talked to him in person, and he's like a pretty intelligent guy. So I, I, I think the whole thing could be a shtick, which is pretty impressive and genius if that's really what it is. Because he, you know, he definitely says things wrong a lot. Kind of plays and then, dumb in a way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think he yeah. makes up stuff that he knows the answer to just to get controversial. Yeah. To get yeah. people tweeting about it. And so I thought you know. it was hilarious, you know, I'm like, ah, oh, he's getting it wrong. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Every time like, people talk about it, I would see the DMs like, oh, look at Sean talking about you. Or Rogan talked about Calvin or anything like that. Yeah. And it's pretty cool to, you know, to think, I always say like the white belt version of myself would like think what we're doing is really cool. Because you know, when I first got in, I was the wide-eyed fan that was like, oh my God, I trained at this gym and it's a Gracie gym, you know? Like, right. I, I said all like the goofy stuff that people say when they start now and um, the things I would brag about and how I laugh about. And right. it's, uh, it's pretty cool though it is cool yeah it it is really cool um one fight that really stood out to me that that um was the zabit fight when you guys went to was it russia where did you guys you guys go to russia moscow moscow yeah and that fight i feel like in my opinion really like started to put you guys on the map even though that was a that was a decision loss correct but mm-hmm. it almost wasn't. Everybody knew Calvin won that fight because it only it was what three rounds. It was supposed to be. It should have yeah. been five, right? Um, yeah, it was weird how that would happen, but yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, when you guys make when you make a fight, like when you sign an agreement, do you is that like a long process? Do you guys ever say no, or do you um, do you just take any fight? At this point, it must be you must be able to pick and choose, I would imagine. Right? It just depends. You know, it, just, it just depends. Like, you know, you can say no sometimes. For the most part, like, you're going to say no if, like, you know, if you feel like the timing's off or you get an injury or, like, that opponent doesn't make right. sense. Like, let's say you're ranked number six and they offer you a guy that's not ranked. You're like, well, that doesn't make sense, right. you know? Right. Um, it has to make sense. You know, you got to think about career trajectory, where you're at. you got to factor all that in and, um put it in your little mental computer and, and, and then make a recommendation to the fighter of like, Hey, I think this makes sense. And here's why, you know? And, um, you know, I think there's only one time that Rob's ever said no to a fight. And it was because they're offering us a fight in China two days after Thanksgiving and all Rob's coaches had kids. So we're like, nobody wants, like, I know we'll all probably be, we'll go, but it'll, it, it's like, it's a lot. it was an opponent. No one had ever heard of like the opponent didn't make sense. The timing was garbage, yeah. and it was like none of it made sense. And we were like, "This one, you know, we we can't do this one because we don't even what we don't even know if we'll be able to field the whole team, you know." Yeah. And um, so we said no to that one. And then a few days later, we ended up getting the Pettis fight, so it was actually a really good move. But um, Calvin said yes to to everybody. Um, yeah, and we even said yes to five rounds against the beat, but their team didn't want five rounds. So I mean, it is what it is. Like we had already had a contract for three rounds, and then. The main event fell out three weeks out. So they moved us up. I kept it three rounds. So it is what it is. Yeah. Regardless, that was a pretty cool fight. Everyone knows Calvin wins that in five rounds. Um, speaking on Rob, though, he, with this fight coming up against Cody Garbrandt, that's like, man, that's, I look forward to that fight. Is there anything that you guys are doing special to prepare for that? Um, I mean, Rob's hands just seem phenomenal. You know, like, so it, yeah, no, I think you never really do anything like we we have kind of like seventy to eighty percent of the camp is always going to be kind of the same, and then you make that twenty to thirty percent adjustment based on who you're fighting, and um, you know we got some you know we got some good ideas and some things Cody does that we really think we can exploit, and you know we know that you know Rob's got a great jab, we've got you know even though he's this guy's the boxer, I think we have like a technical boxing advantage. Um, I think, you know, they're going to come out and try to kick us a little bit. And, 
Um, you know, so we, you know, we got some things that we got to, to look out for, but we also like, I think he's got a lot more things that he has to look out for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just, it's fun. You know, you're getting ready to fight these guys that are legends, you know, Cody Garban's a former champ, you know, he's, he's, um, you know, one of the best at 35, but I keep, you know, I'm looking back at the, the history books of 135 in UFC and, and so is Rob, you know, other than having a belt around his waist, Rob's like in the top 10 all time in the division for like six different categories, which is like finishes, knockouts, knock, knockouts knockdowns is definitely per, one of them. <laughs> yeah. Knockdowns per minute. Um, you know, and then if you look at his, I think he's got six knockout or six, five knockouts in a, in a submission. And except for Joey Gomez, all those are guys that were, that were either ranked at the time or ranked before that or ranked now, you know, like, um, so he's walking through good guys, mm-hmm. you know, and then if you look at the guys he lost to, it was Pedro Munoz, Lineker, and Asuncao. Those, those are all top five guys, mm-hmm. you know, um, so no shame in the losses. We were growing and, and learning, and um, now he's coming around and beating guys that beat those guys, you know, right. so it's, it's, you know, it, it's a good, it's a good time to be Rob Fawn or a fan of Rob Fawn because I think he's finally, the physical is finally meeting the mental mm-hmm. and um, you're starting to see a complete Rob Font, like a, a super confident. And I, and I really think him having the ACL surgery and having the year off kind of like made him realize how much he loves what he's doing. Like not that he didn't love it before, but sometimes you take something away and it makes you want it more. Right. I think we're seeing a little bit of that. But in that time, he got the corner Calvin in, in two main events right. and a pandemic card, which is the first fight back. So he got to see these big pressure situations while Calvin's fighting these legends, these, the boogeyman like the beat, a legend like Jeremy Stevens, and then coming back in a main event on Fight Island, the first time Fight Island happened. So he's getting to do all these firsts with these big high pressure situations and he's in the corner for it. So I think if anything, now when you throw a name like Marais in front of him, he's like, sure. Like, yeah. you know, and then, oh, you just knock out Marais here. Here's Cody Garbrandt. He's like, thank you. You know, um, you guys are just yeah, knocking like out like big names. It's well, crazy. Well, I think people also, yeah. you know, when I, I I was a former wrestler, and I think when people look at sports like this, they think it's just individual, but they don't see the bond that there exists between the teammates. You know, when you're watching your teammate, your brother go through these wars, it it motivates you. It inspires you too, and it seems like you guys have a great sort of family bond that kind of pushes each other. Yeah, it's and it's hard to, and I'll be honest, like it, it's hard to explain. It's hard to the people that don't get it don't get it, you know. And it's really, really hard to make them understand it. Like my in-laws think I'm like a loser. They think like I'm like <laughs> just a guy who plays with my friends, and like I don't have a real job. And it's like, why don't you go back to tech sales? It's like, you know, why do you care? You know, oh, you hang out with your bros all the time. Like, no, yeah, these are my bros, but this is work, and like it's hard to describe how passionate you can be about something when you're in that, just like, you know, I'm not comparing us to Navy SEALs or anything like that, but when you hear them talk about the brotherhood and when they go through these crazy times and how it just brings you closer together. And then, and then you come back home and you're kind of like, all right, what's, what's next? You yeah, know? I, like you kind I, of I think you're, back, I think you're being, I think you're being modest when you say you're not like the Navy SEALs. I mean, you guys kill each other, you, know, you get punched in the face for a living. <laughs> like, Dude, that's yeah, a but tough we know we're job. not gonna get shot. Yeah, you know, that's like, true. That's true. Yeah, so you know, I'm not trying to. You know, okay, good point. Good point. Stuff, <laughs> yeah. So, but it, it's like from a team from a team aspect, it's 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 really hard 
come back into like civilian life, right? And and make them understand like what we go through and that and how how deep we're in on this and and the connection that we have with these guys and like I think uh, you know I think that you know that can sometimes be a little bit hard for people that aren't in the know to understand and you know that's that's life though right well something like, else not too everybody's is, always gonna you know people always I think when you talk about sports especially like combat sports people sort of underestimate the individual they think it's just about the physical but you know earlier on you're like yeah i have my mba <laughs> like i have my business degree and i also needed that to be able to perform and and be a coach and be a manager and and do the business side of things right so there's so much that goes on behind the scenes that people don't see that is work you know yeah well and, and i when rob was healing from the acl like i don't know why but i i was like you know what i wanted to get some training from him, some boxing. And I was waking up at like five in the morning to drive up to Haverhill and, you know, and, and, and I was like, what am I doing? After a while, I was like, this is hard, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> and he, and he was injured and he, you know, he was holding pads for me and I'm like, I, I don't know how long I can do this. <laughs> it's like, and that was the easy stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, I I just give the most credit to you guys. I mean, it's a it's a tough business for sure, and and I only know this much of it, you know. Um, so just props to you guys, man, for putting it on the line every time, you know. Yeah, and and so I, another question I have for you was, you know, I noticed on your social media, it seems like you guys are involved in many different projects which is really cool from just even the business standpoint. Like I think you have some sponsorship now with a mortgage company and you're doing stuff in fashion. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it, it's finally, we're getting to the point where we feel like we can help other brands grow, you know, give them some awareness and especially someone like a mortgage company, you know, you, it's, it, you know, you go to get a, buy a house and, like a recommendation goes a long way to a mortgage broker, you know, like it's not like you're going to, if I tell you, Hey, listen, like if you're going to buy a house loan and I'm like, Hey, this is why you go use them. You're not going to, you're going to go with Tyson, use them. I'll use them. That's really the recommendation you need. Like no one's going to qualify that. They're yeah. like, well, Tyson used it. Okay, cool. Like we don't know enough about it. So a recommendation can go a long way. And like, and it's not only like, like we're just pushing it because it's the sponsor. Like I just refinanced my house with them, you know, and they obviously they cut me a deal and, you know, they were smooth to work with and stuff like that. I was saving money and all that. But, um, you know, it's just, it's cool that we can find the, we're finally in a position with these guys followings. And, you know, I guess, uh, you say like, you know, they have a, you know, a recommendation from them goes a long way. And, you know, they're in the area that we're in, Southern New Hampshire, Northern Mass. And, uh, you know, we're finally in a position that we feel like the team can make an impact on the bottom line for a company like that. And, um, you know, they're helping us and we're helping them. It truly is a partnership. So it's cool to, to you know, see the, you know, the growth and like little checkpoints that we're hitting as a team that, you know, people are willing to invest money in us and, um, you know, we're having fun with it. And I come up with funny commercial ideas. And the other day I turned on Sports Talk Radio and I hear Calvin talking to the owner about, you know, getting a mortgage and you know fighting in the FC. I'm like, this is freaking Calvin on the radio. It's just funny, but um, yeah, so it's cool. And then you know we have uh, some collabs with the the label for selling some like these hats and some sweatshirts and stuff like that. And then we've had like a couple stores talking to us about getting products, like doing some collabs and stores that are involved and stuff. And 
And obviously we have our, our store, you know, our website, new And, um, you know, they, a bunch of people buying that from all around the world and stuff. So it's, it's, it's cool to see, you know, and then on top of that, finally, you know, it's hard with COVID, but we have a bunch of people asking about seminars, you know, us coming out and teaching them some stuff and, you know, having cartel seminars. We've done two already. We're about to do our third in April up in Maine, um, April 17th. And then, um, you know, I'm talking with uh, a guy down in Maine about to, uh, down in Florida about doing one after Rob's fight in Tampa. So it's cool to, you know, get to travel and make a little bit of money, but like, you know, kind of meet some nice people along the way and, um, you know, just get, you know. Did you say uh, more Rob, people? It's exciting. Rob's fights in Tampa? What? Did you say Rob's fights in Tampa? No, 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 no. Like after Rob's fight. Oh, going to Tampa. Tampa. I Tampa. see. Yeah. Do yeah. we know where? Our Rob's fight's probably Probably Vegas. Probably Vegas. Okay. Do you think yeah, it'll think be open for spectators? No. I don't think so. I think they're just doing the pay per views right now. But I yeah. mean, if it is, it's awesome. Even yeah. if they had like 300 or something, just having someone just. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just dying to do something, you know? Like, I just want to go yeah. see an event and be with people. Are there any talks within the industry now that the vaccines are being distributed about when, like, a timeline? Well, they're doing the show April 24th in Florida, and that sold out. That's full capacity at Vice Star Arena in Jacksonville, oh, same okay. place we fought at last May. So they have like 16, 20,000 fans there. And then May 15th, they're doing the pay-per-view in Houston. I think was at the Honda Center or something. Um, they have a big arena there. They've been doing another show. So right now, they're kind of doing the pay-per-views with fans, and they're doing the fight nights with no fans uh, in, in either Vegas or Abu Dhabi or whatever. So, you know, um, I got to think they're going to, and then there's talks about the kind of McGregor card maybe being that T-Mobile or something and with some fans. So who knows? Like, I think once you just kind of crack that first egg, then more shows in Vegas with fans will follow. Mm-hmm. Is it is this something that you've got? I mean, it seems like you guys have been thriving in this whole pandemic. I mean, you guys just get after it either way. Uh, you kind of see a different um, grade of fighter come through this. Like, you know, it seems to be really working out for Calvin and Rob. Actually, you know, I think we're 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 built for it. You know, yeah. we're lean and mean. We we don't rely on like a lot of people. We have a small circle, which is obviously safer during a pandemic. So less chinks in the armor there. Um, you know, we don't need to have a big room to get the right energy. We're we're used to a small room already, and um, you know, a tight group of people. So like, if anything, it's it's been better for us because some of these coaches that we bring in aren't working with a lot of other a lot of other fighters right now because there's no other fighting other than kind of the high level. So um, it's freed up a lot of the coaches' schedules, especially at first when no one was working. And we, the whole Jeremy Stevens camp, we had everybody at our disposal on our time frame. Whenever we wanted to make a change, it wasn't affecting anyone's schedule because Calvin was the only one training, you know? So um, I think that other elbow, gyms like these. That Jeremy Stevens oh, elbow great. was just epic. <laughs> just yeah, epic. <laughs> Especially after he missed weight. So it was, it felt yeah, good. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. So, yeah, I think we were both for other teams felt like they were getting like a piecemeal camp, but our, our camp didn't change at all. If anything, it got more cohesive and streamlined and the schedule got tighter. Um, so I think, you know, you're seeing a lot of other gyms now kind of start to dumb it down a little bit and start to go to smaller group training and they're realizing there could be some benefit in it. And, you know, we've been preaching it for years and doing it for years. And obviously, we're having success with it. So I think some other gyms are starting to see, you know, that uh, it's a different way of training. 
Is there uh is there any secret up and comers that you might consider taking on as a third coach? I mean, not as a third coach, but like as a third fighter that you would coach. Well, we have that kid Tom Pagliaro who I uh, manage. Mm-hmm. Um, but he signed a top game. Rob will be his head coach. I help coach as asked. Like so, he had his fight. Uh, he made his pro debut a couple weeks ago in Philly on like four days notice for CFSC, and um. Yeah, he smashed the kid. And he was a tough kid. The kid was like four was and two awesome. amateur, but he was yeah. a tough wrestler. And yeah. I mean, he was smashing so bad that the other team threw in the towel. It was a, uh, it was a really, really good pro debut. I I just remember seeing some like Instagram posts of him winning, and then I don't remember where I saw the clip, but I was like, oh, he won like that. <laughs> like, he won, <laughs> like he won so good. Like he's got, he's got he's got coach. I can touch anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll never so, forget uh, that when we first talked with Rob, he's like, I, I just feel like I can touch anyone. I was like, yeah. I will not try to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, so me and Rob cornered him for that fight. Calvin watched from the front row because you can only have two corners. So. You know, he's a young guy that we have in the wings, and um, it's cool seeing, like, you know, kind of a baby cartel member yeah. in there and, and kind of the next generation. And I think it, I think after that fight, honestly, like, I, like even the media and stuff, it turned a lot of heads of, like, oh, so maybe, like, this isn't just you, you know, the cartel lucked out with two good fighters and Robert Calvin. It's like, there's a, there's something there's going a on here, here, you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I can't take full credit for that because Rob, done a bogey you know tom was a good wrestler wrestling college Rob spent a lot of time with him uh, i just came in and you know i i give my input where they asked me and i let rob lead the dance there and it's cool watching rob learn to be a to be a coach too and and then um during the fight you know uh you know in the locker room you know helping with the warm-up and then getting out there and in the fight you know me and rob you know collaborating in the corner it was, it was pretty cool to uh be able to do that with rob because rob's kind of like where I was at 10 years ago with Rob in, in the cage. And I'm kind of a young coach trying to, you know, get my little brother to win a fight. And so it's cool to be able to do that with Rob and be on, like, the uh, the other side of it. So it was, it was fun. Not only that, but it's cool to sort of see the legacy continue, right? Like, you put all this hard work to build this up. You don't want it to just stop. So it's nice to see mm-hmm. other people sort of taking on different mantles and sort of passing on the information and, and just continue growing your team. So... It's, you know, it's, it's inspiring. You know, like I said, you can see, you can sort of see the brotherhood and the bond that you all have. So it would be nice to see where you all take it. Yeah. I always say that Rob and Calvin are the, the only two guys I coach. And once they're done, I'll reevaluate where I'm at. And if I want to take on more projects and, you know, if we want to have more guys join the team and stuff like that, I think we're really, I'm just trying to make every effort not to, fill up my schedule with responsibilities that could take away from Robin Calvin. Cause I feel like we've come this far and um, yeah, I could make a lot more money if I just started coaching a bunch of other guys, but I feel like that would affect that could negatively affect Robin Calvin. And I don't think I could sleep at night knowing that I didn't hold up my end of the bargain and, and see these guys through in a way that I pitched, not, not even pitched them, but you know, Calvin came to me or Rob came to me, but like a way that I propose that I think we should do it. So, yeah, it's like quality versus quantity type of uh, yeah. mentality. And I think quality is better mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, in this case, for sure. Um, is there anything you do outside of family and training? 
You do for fun? Do you want really. to fish? <laughs> <laughs> I like doing redneck stuff. Like, I, I try to get out to Oklahoma every now and then to see my buddy Larry to uh, get in the woods, go hog hunting, stuff like that. Nice. You know, uh, maybe rope, rope some little uh, baby cows and maybe sure. do a bunch of redneck farm stuff and ride around razors and stuff like that. But it's tough because you just never know when there's going to be the next fight. So, like, right now it looks like, okay, if we're out fighting in, in May, Maybe we can have some fun in June. You know, maybe me, Rob, and Calvin can go somewhere and do some redneck stuff. We've been for three years. We've been trying to get out to Oklahoma, but there's just never been a good time. We're always either in camp or then this and that, and it's, it's tough. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like that stuff. And you gotta make part, that my life. You gotta make a cartel cowboy hat. <laughs> Dude, that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be cool. <laughs> cartel cowboy boots. Yeah. <laughs> someone might look left like wait what <laughs> i could see it it could work i think it could work see like the leather cowboy hat with a brand you know like a burnt in logo it could work i like it <laughs> um i saw a recent instagram post that you did about you've been recently going to some church you've been praying a little praying uh our church closed down oh yeah so that was the last day that uh our church closed down i was pretty like i'm not like a religious guy at all like my wife you know she's religious and she's like got her own little journey with you know figuring everything out and i i kind of just go to support her and i don't you know like i said i'm not really religious at all i just it's more of a community aspect for me and um yeah, the church shut down. So that was the last time. So now, you know, we're in the process of trying to find a new church. It's a group of the people that was from that church. We're trying to figure out where to go. But it's real hard in COVID to, like, yeah. just go visit churches, and, and what you, you, know? you mentioned community in the church. And, and that that's kind of maybe one of the most beneficial things. I mean, is the community in that, you know, in a yeah. church, everyone's there with support if you need it. You know, that it's a great, right. I think it's a great thing to do, you know. But, you know, with COVID and with, a lot of things that are going on, it seems like a lot of churches are closing down, you know, and yeah, and, it's a tough time. Yeah. But it's, I mean, uh, it's tough. Well, well, I think, I think we're going to, that's going to do it, man. I really appreciate, appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your day. And uh, we look forward to Rob's fight. We look forward to seeing Calvin come back. We look forward to seeing the su- success of you and the new England cartel. Definitely. Um, and just let's keep growing, growing the team, you know? Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me. All right. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I, I hope to talk to you soon, too. Maybe next time we can uh, get together, you can come to the studio. Yeah, man, that'd be ideal. Yeah, yeah. man, for sure. Yeah. Can't wait. Janky hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good luck out there, man. Thanks, buddy. Thanks again.